Good afternoon and welcome to MoneyWeb at Midday with myself, Nastasia Aron. So it's 12 o'clock on the dot. Coming up on the show, we'll talk to uh, Pietri Riedeling-Hayes, who's a founder at Harania Capital. We'll talk about how the market is tra- uh, trading thus far. Look back on the week that was, and perhaps if we have a little bit more time, we'll talk... Uh, uh, in terms of what's happening next week and what will likely drive markets. Uh, but let's take a quick ad break and then on the line, then afterwards rather, we'll talk to Petri. This show is brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. MoneyWeb has a unique opportunity for financial advisors. Through our Click and Advisor offering, advisors can interact with a growing investor-based audience and attract new clients. To find out more, visit www.moneyweb.co.za. Joining me on the line is uh, Petri Riedling-Hayes, who's a founder at Herenia Capital. Petri, thank you so much for your time. Good afternoon, Natasha. Thank you very much for having me. So how are the markets uh, trading so far? Well, today, I suppose, is much like uh, the rest of the week has been. I mean, we're up somewhat, about 26 basis points in the top 40 index, which is slightly higher at half percent up. Mm. But uh, quiet, eh? I mean, we've done 5.17 billion rand so far for the day. Yesterday, we only managed to get about 17.8 billion for the day. So it's very quiet conditions, uh, very low liquidity, not a lot of not a lot of stuff happening, really. It's incredibly yeah. frustrating, I'll tell you the truth. I could tell because I was because uh, I follow you on Twitter. I was reading your tweets and and actually I could tell that you you're you're a little bored. So then I wanted to know. Then do you get excited when we talk of volatility, like when there's a lot happening, probably the night before, either on the Dow and the Nasdaq, and it's trickling into SA and it's just a big, a good mess, but a mess nonetheless. Is is that what makes your day? Well, yeah, it doesn't really matter which direction it goes in for me, I'll tell you the truth, as long as it's going somewhere. <laughs> you know? yeah. So there are some sort of big-ish kind of moves out there. I mean, there's a couple of stocks up one and a half and, and 2%, particularly within the uh, within the resources space, they're doing pretty well. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of volume that's being traded, so there's not a lot of opportunity for, mm. uh, you know, very short-term uh, traders to to get involved. I mean, if you take, for example, that something like Anglo's usually trades around two million shares a day. Yeah. Uh, we've done five hundred thousand shares so far. at halfway through the day, so it's not like there's. It might so it might be up two point eight percent, but mm. it's not like there's been many opportunities for you to take positions and and get involved. So yeah. it's really quiet. All right. Looking back at the week that was, I mean, we had uh, news. Kicking off the week on Monday, that was uh, Lipster Holdings saying that they're going to list. And then following that was uh, Vivo Energy. Then we got something, well, a proposed listing from um, Sagamata, which was subsequently, well, the plug was pulled by the JSE. Then we had uh, Steinoff selling a 6% stake in uh, Star and various other things. What caught your attention this week? Well, the time of uh, Star Book Build was was an interesting one. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected a slightly bigger reaction from Steinoff, but I think the market is now uh, starting to believe that Steinoff is essentially going bust. I mean, it's down another five percent today, trading at two rand thirty three cents. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've sold uh, essentially what six percent stake in uh, Star, and I think the reason they didn't sell more and raise more money is because there aren't too many buyers around you know mm. i think uh, uh from what i've been hearing is that there's just literally not enough demand for them to be able to sell more which yeah. is uh, relatively concerning um now i know that a few months ago um 
you know, I was one of those guys trying to pick the bottom in Steinhoff, and <laughs> so far I'm not doing very well on that. And uh, I don't know, it's an interesting situation whether or not Steinhoff's going to, uh, I mean, Steinhoff's going to survive. Mm. I guess only time will tell. I mean, there are real assets uh, in the business, and uh, it's really a much bigger business than what we than what we realize with global reach and many employees and that kind of thing. But it's not, uh, for now, it doesn't seem like there's much interest in the share. There's still trading quite a bit of volume, I suppose. But, mm. you know, it's not, uh, it's definitely not going in the right direction. Yeah. And uh, we had somebody on the show on the SFM market update. I think it was Bright Kumalo, if I'm not mistaken. And he was saying that, you know, he doesn't get too excited when Steinhoff starts selling stakes in other subsidiaries because all it says is that they're not disclosing to the market how big their hole actually is. And so we're yeah, just, yeah. So, so, you know, Bright's got a point. Um, he's got a very good point, to tell you the truth, because we still haven't seen results from Steinhoff. Um, so we're entering into that space now where, you know, by all rights and purposes, the share should be suspended. The JSC, as well as the DAX, are making sort of special dispensation for it not to be suspended simply because, it, you know, so many people are invested in it. it's such a big company. Um, the question is, though, you know, until we see uh, a set of financial results, which we haven't yet, um, we don't know how big the hole is. So, yeah, yeah, sure, they're selling stuff, but we don't know if that's plugging the entire hole, if that's, uh, only just sort of just 1% of what they need, we have no idea. Um, so, you know, to Brian's point, until we see results, um, there's no real reason to get excited. Yeah. And I'm sure you saw that article that we published uh, on MoneyWeb early in the week where one of the directors said that uh, Christo Visa had asked Steinhoff to cover his margin call and then he gave a, a right, he got a right of reply and he said uh, he actually didn't ask for that but he spoke about uh, these payments that were made to him of about I think 325 million euros and I read a, I read a very one million dollars or whatever yeah. it was I read a very interesting article where um, one of the analysts says what concerns him about the fact that they didn't disclose these payments is that one's got to wonder whether other payments were made for any other director on uh, in Steinoff around about that time. Yeah, look, I mean, so what concerns me is that, um, you know, this is potentially one of the biggest, you know, corporate fraud cases that we've seen in South African history, right? And... I find it difficult to believe that there's only one director that's involved. Mm. So, you know, our unnamed analyst that says that there's a concern around how many other sort of non-process or uh, non-disclosed payments were made, you know, again, uh, it, it is a real concern. I think he or she mm. is probably uh, probably right, you know, because now the worms have come out of the woodwork and suddenly, you know, it wasn't Visa that came forward and said, look, there were these advanced payments that I'm busy paying back. It was Steinhoff that came and said, we yeah. made these payments that were not according to process, not according to procedure. Um, and then only on this is reply did we hear, okay, well, he's busy paying the money back, but we don't know how much. Mm. Um, so it feels to me like, you know, more than one director, at least at this stage, has been caught with a hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. So is the company salvageable is the question. Um, it depends on how much money, I suppose you could use the word embezzlement, uh, mm-hmm. how much money was embezzled and taken out of the com- company um, and how bad the situation really has gotten. You know, if you look at the sort of, if I look at the company, I don't think that the company itself will fail unless they've drained it from, you know, all its liquidity over the years. Mm. 
which is possible. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just sit with bated breath, holding, waiting <laughs> for um, for you know some results to be released. Yeah. Um, and another event that happened this week was uh, the Fed minutes were released, and um, a lot. I think the discussion is, you know, looked at whether it wasn't rather that the Fed's tone has turned hawkish. It was whether you know the Fed would increase its pace of um, you know rate hikes, and also the one thing they mentioned was that you know the trade wars or a possible trade war could actually affect everybody in the U.S. I mean, that's a concern for them. Did you get a chance to, you know, look at what was happening with the Fed minutes and what's your take from it? So the, the understanding that I got from the Fed minutes was that um, the pace at which they are looking to uh, increase interest rates um, is slightly faster than what the market had anticipated. So the market was looking for about three interest mm. rate hikes this year from the U.S. We've already seen one, and the, the tone from the, um, from the Fed minutes was that there are perhaps another three on the cards. But again, uh, it is if market conditions allow, right? Yeah. So they're not committing to saying we are going to do three. They're obviously using you know, data to make their decisions, but it seems as though there are another three uh, interest rate hikes on the cards for the U.S., which is a bit hawkish, if you want to put it that way, because mm. it does kind of scare uh, money uh, back into emerging markets and away from, I'm oh, sorry, back into developed markets and away from emerging markets. Um, as with the trade war, you know, I don't know, so far it's been somewhat good for uh, commodities, yeah. commodity prices in particular. Um, but we'll see how it turns out. I mean, we've seen Donald Trump sort of go to and fro from uh, one extreme to the next by his Twitter account. Uh, so you know, <laughs> the markets are kind of trading on the back of a Twitter account. And you can see that that uncertainty that we have around what's going to happen with this trade war, particularly, I think, um, that it you know, has the ability to really, truly impact markets because the, the America and Ch- China relationship is probably the biggest you know, commercial economic relationship in the world, right? Mm. Um, and if they start sort of flinging mud at each other and putting tariffs on all sorts of things that they buy and sell from each other uh, and changes the, the trade landscape, it will obviously change the flow of money, which uh, has the potential to, to really shake markets. So that's why we've seen this whole week uh, has been relatively low volume within the South African market because people will... You know, international traders and and uh, fund managers, asset managers don't necessarily want to make any decisions right now. They're mm. waiting, right? So our market is up for the week, yes, but uh, on really low volume. Uh, and in the U.S., we've had about a week or two now where we've gone essentially sideways. Well, we have big swings, you know, percent up, a percent down, two percent down, two percent up, but no real commitment to a direction. Right. So. It's, uh, it's, it's tough because there's volatility, but there's no liquidity. There's no volume being pushed through the market. So um, the volatility is basically because I think you know, many money managers are sitting back and going, until we have clarity on what's going to happen, we're not doing anything, uh, which makes for sideways and frustrating times. Right. Uh, going into next week, what do you see uh, driving markets? What will you be keeping an eye on? Well, I think that, uh, well, firstly, I'd like to see a bit of a return to <laughs> to liquidity. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. market is sort of on a support level, I think, that it's been at for um, 
for some time, that 2600 level on the on the S&P 500, it is slightly above that now. So I'd like to see whether or not that holds and we see a reversal up beyond that or uh, if we manage to, to get below that level. And, you know, if we do fall below that level, then I think we could see a continuation in the, in the correction that we've seen. Mm. Um, however, if we manage to hold it, I think that that bodes, uh, you know, somewhat bullish. Then uh, we also have Chinese GDP coming out on Tuesday, which is a, a pretty good one. We did see some Chinese data today. That was a bit disappointing. Um, but uh, GDP obviously being a, a lot more important. So the quarter-on-quarter and year-on-year GDP numbers from China next week, as well as industrial production on Tuesday, I think is going to be relatively um, important. Uh, also building permits from the U.S., maybe not something that too many people watch, but it does sort of give an indication uh, what we can expect from from uh, you know the housing market, which obviously there's a lot of debt lying in the housing market, so mm. uh, it's relatively important. Also CPI coming from uh, Great Britain uh, on on Wednesday, as well as South African core CPI and CPI numbers from South Africa. So that'll be an interesting one for us to watch because we've seen that inflation is coming down in South Africa, which uh, you know leads to interest rate cuts, mm. uh, and we obviously have seen one already. So. It'd be nice to see inflation coming down even more, to tell you the truth, because it could lead to perhaps even more uh, interest rate cuts, not obviously next month, but uh, within the next few months, uh, if we manage to keep CPI uh, at least, you know, if we can get it under 4%, that would be fantastic. So yeah. we'll see how, how that goes. I'm not too sure exactly what, uh, what, you know, what the expectation is on the street for that at the moment. Um, also, as well as the European Union, uh, CPI numbers are coming out on Wednesday as well. Uh, so I think those are some of the, some of the, Biggish kind of things. There's also manufacturing, uh, sort of the fully fed manufacturing index coming out on Thursday uh, from the U.S. as well as initial jobless claims, which usually has the ability to move markets. Friday, of course, the ADP non uh, non payrolls from mm. the U.S. as well, uh, as well as German uh, producer price indexes on on Friday. So there are a couple of sort of news events that has the ability to to move the market, but nothing. Um, you know, nothing too major. The big numbers are usually at the beginning of the month. Yeah. Um, importantly, I think what would be interesting to see is what happens with the uh, the mining charter. So there's been a lot of negotiation and a lot of talk and a lot of speculation uh, and a commitment from government uh, to not make any drastic changes until there is an agreement between government and industry where, uh, you know, both parties are... I suppose, equally dissatisfied. You know, that's how you know you've got a good deal. Neither party are happy, but they're equally unhappy, right? Um, So I think that, uh, you know, if we see some sort of a uh, resolution to that, that could really get markets moving, especially in the commodity space, obviously. Um, If we get a favorable outcome, uh, because there's a little bit of disagreement about this wanting power, always in power situation. So we'll see what the outcome is to that. Hopefully, if we get some news flow around that uh, during next week, that could really get things shaking up. So I'll be keeping an eye open for that. Other than that, I mean, we just kind of wait to run, wait for something to happen, right? Uh, <laughs> wait for the volume to return and see if there are opportunities to, to try and take some trade. All right. Uh, thank you so much for your time. That's Pietri Riedling Hayes, who's a founder at Herenia Capital. This show was brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Numerology studies tell us that numbers have symbolic meaning. Number 8 stands for success, 4 is stability, and 3 represents advantage. 
These qualities, over and above trust, ethics and leadership, are embraced by CASA, the leading accounting, auditing and tax business designation underpinned by ethical standards, delivering responsible business leadership to take your business to number one. Because business is more than just numbers. CASA, leaders in business. That's it for me, Nastasia Aransa, and the rest of the team. Goodbye. 